single verse this morning I want to read from the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, verse 4. And actually reading from the modern English version, but I'm going to ask you to stand in God's honor. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Let's pray. Master, being a father, uh, this is a very humbling message. And the truth is, just being alive, it's a very humbling message for all of us. As we look at these different truths, Lord, um, we want to give you room to speak to us, Lord. You know where we are. You know us. Father, may we hear from you. And Father, may we remember that you love us. Continue to guide this hour together for your glory. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Don't say a word. Yeah. Sure, Eleanor. you, Eleanor. You know, I was thinking of a verse in Psalm 27, verse 10. It says, though my father and my mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. You know, everybody has a different story about their dad. Some are good stories, some not so good. But I am grateful that there is a heavenly father who's the same. And who loves us with that kind of love. And uh, just grateful for that. A sp- there was a speaker at a civics event. Speaking about the needs of youth. And after the service. This big burly guy comes up to him. He's rather emotional. He pulls out his wallet. He starts out. He takes five well-worn pictures. Of his boys. And he shows this guy, he said, here, here are my sons. He said, I, I'm a military guy. He said, I believe in strict discipline. I believe my rules are to be followed. And I told my boys, you will obey me. You will do this my way. Or you won't be here in this house. And he said, when they graduate high school, all five Left home and haven't been back. And then he pulled out another picture of a 10 year old boy. He placed it on the table and he said, uh, Hopefully, I've learned my lesson. I want him to come back when he graduates. You know, I, I think being a dad, being a parent has got 
in my opinion, to be one of the most humbling jobs. It's like, you, you know, you start out and you're young and you have all these ideals and then life sets in. And before you know it, all of us can think of things, those of us who are dads, why did I do that? And it can, it can really stick with you. This particular lesson, it's interesting. I, looked, I, I get this um, thing, Bible verse for a day, every day. And this scripture was the verse for today. And I thought, okay, Lord, be trying to tell me something. And we're going to look at some points. And they really, even though it deals with a father and their children, honestly, it can be with all relationships as we look at today's message and today's scripture. And the first thing, um, as I get into to this, the, the phrase where it tells us in the scripture to bring them up, that phrase means to nourish them. And that takes wisdom. There is that extreme of it's my way or the highway, you follow my rules, where someone is disciplined too harshly. But there's also the other extreme of permissiveness to the point where there are no boundaries. And there is negligence. And it takes great wisdom in the Lord for it to be right. There's a verse, uh, as we jump into this, it's been in my mind as I've thought about this message this week and it's proverbs 20 verse 7 in the amplified bible and the scripture reads the righteous man walks in his integrity blessed happy fortunate enviable are his children after him means be the guy instead of just talk like the guy there's a parallel verse, Colossians 3.20, that says, Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Sometimes it's really hard to communicate, I love you. And, and you know, some of you guys had a dad like mine who, until almost the end, he never said, I love you, because it's just not what you did in that generation. But I knew that he loved me. And... As we begin to look at this list, first thing I want to point out is a Proverbs 29 verse 11 says, A fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. A fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. Guys, we don't want our children to say, I'm angry because I learned anger from my dad. So... There's an anger issue out there. God says, let's deal with that. Let's get, let's get that taken care of. Matter of fact, in the great love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, that you know often comes to our mind when we think about what love is supposed to be, verse 5 tells us that love is to not be easily angered. We're not to have a, a temper that's about to go out of control. So let's go down through this list. I actually, through different commentaries, there are different responses to this list. It's not a complete list by any means. But fathers provoke their children through inconsistent responses. Man, when a, when a dad is inconsistent in how he acts, one day this 
you know, this uh, crime is committed in the home. And the father's like, oh, that's no big deal. And the next day he's barking down the kid. Well, after a while, that inconsistency can make you half crazy. And it can build bitterness within. And Jesus Christ, it says of him, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's Hebrews 13a. And, and so, I go, be the same guy. Be the same guy. Secondly, through unreasonableness. We can provoke children to anger through unreasonableness. John 7, verse 24, Jesus said, Stop judging by mere appearances and make a right judgment. Too often, we become jury and judge and give the verdict all in one fell swoop without examining the case. He says, don't just merely look at the mere appearance. Do some digging to find out what is really going on before you pass judgment. Too often a quick judgment can drive a wedge between you and your loved one. Third, fathers provoke their children to anger by favoritism. Now, guys, if you're like me, and we have four kids, and every one of our kids is totally different. And the way that you deal with them and talk with them and the reactions you expect, they're all different because they're different people. They're different personalities. And we're called to love our kids with all of our heart. And yet, sometimes our personalities might mix with one kid a little better than another kid. But the call is that there's not supposed to be obvious favoritism to those kids. But there is to be love. Um, I listen. I was telling Cindy, I don't know if any of you guys are familiar with Ernie Johnson. He's a sportscaster. But I listened to this podcast this week. And he and his wife, um, they decided they were going to... uh, well, they were watching TV and they saw these orphanages in Romania and they had a real burden. Ernie's wife said, we need to adopt one of these one of these children. And so anyway, they went through the channels and they told the people, we want to adopt a little girl that's under a year old with no kind of health issues. Okay, so his wife goes over there two months later. She... Uh, on the phone with Ernie and says, I think I found the child God wants us to have. He says, okay, well, tell me about the child. He says, well, um, it's a little boy. Wait a minute, I thought we said a little girl. Um, he's three years old. What? And uh, he's severely handicapped. His foot's turned backwards. He can't talk. And when I held him, He's just like, just like a baby, even though he's three years old, very far behind in his development. And the person taking care of him says, you don't want him. He's bad. He said, I knew that's who I wanted. And he said, before I realized what I said, I said to my wife, Ernie, he said, uh, we'll just bring him home. <laughs> what did I say? Yeah, kind of thing. And anyway, he talks about this child. This little boy didn't talk till he was eight. He didn't walk till he was 11 or 12, and they discovered that he had muscular dystrophy, and they said he wouldn't live through his teenage years. 
They didn't expect all of this and bringing another kid to their home. And yet the whole point was he talked about the deep love that he has for his son, Michael, and what God would do. And uh, he goes to high school. He's in a wheelchair. When he did start talking um, at eight years old, they said he almost didn't stop talking, you know. (laughs) He said the one thing he knew was everybody's car. He always remembered what kind of car he drove. And he would never forget. That was his thing. He said, uh, when Michael had gotten into high school, he said, uh, the basket, they had a new basketball coach that had just come to the school. And he heard this noise in the classroom. He went, what is going on? And it was Michael in the classroom making some noises. And so the coach poked his head in the door and he said, is that you making those noises? Guy, you know, Michael turns, he smiles and, he says, I'm Coach so-and-so. Who are you? He says, well, he says, I'm Michael Johnson. He said, well, it is great to meet you, Michael Johnson. What kind of car do you drive? So the coach told him what kind of car he drove. And then as the coach was getting ready to leave, he said, love you too, coach. And the coach walked out, and he couldn't get it out of his mind. So he wrote a letter to uh, Michael's parents. said, you have an amazing young man there. I would like for him to join the basketball team. <laughs> and so, of course, they ended up meeting later. And Ernie said, now, wait a minute. He said, uh, Coach, you, you realize uh, he cares nothing about basketball. He doesn't know if it's inflated with air or if it's stuffed. He doesn't care about basketball. He said, well, I only expect him to teach us two things, which I think he can do very well. One is maximum effort. And the other is how we should treat each other. Anyway, he talked about, Ernie talked about the amazing impact his son was able to have. He said when it came time for graduation, that coach uh, had been teaching everyone in the school the sign language for love you too. And so when Michael got up for graduation and he said, I love you, they all stood up in unison and gave the sign language for love you too. And his whole emphasis or his point was, Man, it would be so easy to have heard the advice of that person in the orphanage and say, you don't want this guy. You don't want him. But, oh, yes, they do. (laughs) Yes, they do. Next, fathers provoke their children to anger by selfishness. And it's so easy as a dad to bark orders, to give commands Or to push a child toward achievement because you want to live your dreams through your child. Whether it's athletics or whether it's some kind of pageantry or or whatever it is. Maybe some dream that you had and you want your child to accomplish what you weren't ever able to accomplish or to excel at. Just selfishness can have an impact. And then fathers provoke their children to anger by criticism without praise. Job 34.3 reads, For the ear tests words as the palate tastes food. Oh, what an interesting verse. Because we like to eat. We like to taste the stuff. As that old tummy, as that old palate tastes the food, so the ear tests the words. Words do make an impact. They do impact 
who we are. In the one-minute manager, Clem Bletcher and Spencer Johnson wrote this advice. Catch them doing something right and praise them for it. What great advice. Instead of, why did you get this grade on your report card? As a matter of fact, guys, I had trouble in math. I remember some advanced math that I had. It was so bad, the teacher was trying to help me. And she said, do you need glasses? Can you even see the problem? I mean, my ceiling must have been pretty low. Um, but instead of, you know, always being the critic, always finding the fault in your child, find something to praise them for. I just think that is great advice. I, I think that our children, guys, they should see us as their biggest supporters, their biggest fan base. Fathers provoke their children to anger by perfectionism. This kind of goes hand in hand with this. Why? Because they're representing me. They carry my name. I want them to to represent me in the best way possible. And then fathers provoke their children to anger by extremes of over and under discipline. Maybe a home's like a boot camp or... Maybe nobody's ever in the home to give the child those boundaries that they need in trying to um, have a home. Fathers provoke their children to anger by insensitivity to a problem. Sometimes they just want us to be quite still and give them that moment or take the problem seriously or really listen. I remember Chuck Swindoll in, in one of his books. He he was talking about uh, how busy he was at one point in his life, and he said it, his child had something important he wanted to tell him, and um, he's kind of running around, and his child said, "Dad, I want you to listen to me." He said, "Well, then speak quickly," and his child said, "Well, then listen slowly." To stop and and to listen. Fathers provoke their children to anger by not being available. And sometimes we hear this stuff about quality time. Well, even quality time takes some time. Be sure and spend some time. Um, You know, a lot of times we think about parenting. We think about children when they're school age. But I tell you what, uh, probably the story with my dad, I'm sure I've told it, that comes to my mind as much as any story was when I was in seminary. I was all the way down in Texas, and you know, my home's in North Carolina. And my dad, uh, kind of like you guys, you're Alan, your guys are big Washington Redskins fans. I grew up, my dad was a big Atlanta Falcons fan because that was, you know, was just our team. And dad missed me. I would try to come home from college and watch some of the games with him and all that. Well, he missed me out at seminary, and I'll never forget. He called, Back in those days, they had what they called pay phones. I don't, I don't know. Some of you guys may not be familiar with those now. But they had these pay phones and you put quarters in them and all that. Or, or you know, you'd have to call and pay a big lump sum on the other end. My dad, I'll never forget, he called me during one game. I can't remember who the Falcons were playing. It was a rival, I guess. And he gave me play for play on the pay phone for, I thought, this is crazy. You know, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, this must cost a lot of money. <laughs> But he's telling me all about the game. And, you know, it occurred to me years later, sometime later, he just wanted to be with me. 
Those messages are very important. That time that you spend, it says a lot. Sometimes a lot more than words. A wise dad will capitalize on that. Fathers provoke their children to anger by breaking promises. 1 Corinthians 4 verse 2 says, Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. I know sometimes promises get broken and we can't help it. But don't let that become a norm. If, if you give a promise, keep your word. Because that is just a powerful statement. Next, fathers provoke their children to anger by hypocrisy. Matthew 3, 8 in the Amplified Bible says, Bring forth fruit that is consistent with repentance. Let your lives prove your change of heart. Hey, look, when you mess up, and I know you will mess up, because we all mess up, instead of trying to hide it, instead of trying to justify it, instead of trying to deny it, be honest about it. Be willing to say, I screwed up. And I've asked God to forgive me, and will you forgive me? Because it's not right. That's powerful. Our children need to see that we're willing to say, I messed up. Need to see that. That's part of what it means to be godly. Next, fathers provoke anger in their children by verbal and physical abuse. Uh, you know, I wish that wasn't part of reality, but it is. Um, it's unacceptable. Now, two things here I'll just bring out quickly as I get to the end of this message. To nurture children in the training and discipline of the Lord. This actually goes back to one of those early verses I shared, which is Proverbs 20, verse 7. A righteous man walks in his integrity. Happy, blessed, fortunate, enviable are his children after him. It's who you are, guys. It's not sitting in church for an hour or two or three a week. I mean, I, I think if you love the Lord, you, you want to be at church. But it's who you are all the time. Have, have you had such an encounter with Jesus that, you know, brings you to your knees? That says, hey, uh, I need help. I need God's help in my life. That's, that's what it is. It's, it's your behavior. It's your life. It's your walk. Uh, you know, as it says in First John, whoever claims to be in Jesus must walk as Jesus walked. That, that's what he's talking about here in the behavior. And then the second part of the verse, it talks about the instruction of the Lord. It's talking about our very words. Verbal correction in our words. Sometimes those are negative words, but our loved ones understand it's for a positive reason. It's because, man, when you fight against the truth, guess who loses? You lose. And the sooner we get in line with the truth, the less likely we are to have damage to our lives that we'll regret for a long period of time or maybe for the rest of our lives. 
Ephesians 4.29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs so that it will benefit those who listen. The goal for all of us, Colossians 1.28, we proclaim him admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man and woman complete in Christ. Let's pray. Lord, uh, what a hard word, Father, I think. Um, The truth is we all have, well, we've been guilty of at least one of these or more. And Father, we just come to you and we thank you for the grace and power of Jesus. And Lord, uh, we pray, help us to be a people who care about you. And Lord, in our relationships, Um, And help me as a father, as a dad, Lord, to want to be like Jesus, Lord. What else matters, really? And all these things are a part of that, Lord. Sometimes we give our little churchy answers to what it means. to, But it's so much more than me making a statement um, 25, 30 years ago or or sitting in a pew, or or even preaching a sermon at times, Lord. It's, uh, Father, grab a hold of our hearts, Lord. And on this wonderful day we call Father's Day, Lord, may we leave here longing to have you as Master and Lord in our lives. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand